the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 602 is the number. It's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Give us a call. I, I will still... Uh, put out the call uh, to listeners that I put out yesterday. If you were or are in the U.S. military, I want to know what the scenes out of Kabul mean to you, whether you were in country in Afghanistan or even Iraq or anywhere else or in previous engagements or no engagements. And I want to know what people in uniform are thinking. I'll tell you why I asked that yesterday and why I ask it today. And the reason is I am seeing more and more language from people who were in uniform, people who have the moral authority to speak in a way that I do not, having not worn the uniform. At least I don't think so. That is to say a natural instinct of a statement I think ran across most people's frontal lobes over the last several days and that that scan is the notion that what we did for the last 20 years in the war on terror was in vain which to me means that those who sacrificed sacrificed in vain that is not something i have said i've quoted others who've said it i have a hard time saying it i choke on it I don't have the moral authority to say it. That's why I want to know what people in uniform think and see when um, uh, when they think and see what's going on and has transpired over the last uh, week in uh, in Afghanistan. The issue of dying, sacrificing in vain um, is one that I'll push back against temporarily, tentatively, by saying – for 20 years, for 20 years, there was a population in Afghanistan that breathed and experienced certain freedoms. Some of them sacrificed to help us strengthen, garner, and strengthen those freedoms. For 20 years, they had freedom. If freedom is as precious as we all believe it to be, then that's not vanity. That's not in vain. Giving 20 years of freedom or more freedom to those who cry out for it, and it wasn't all of them, obviously, obviously, that wasn't vanity. That wasn't vanity. To give hope that is dashed is another thing altogether. The word I find being used here so often is debacle. It's not a word I like. It's not a word I like because it's not a word I pronounce very well. That's just not a very good reason. But there are synonyms to debacle. And I think 
fiasco is as good a synonym as any, and I, I tend to prefer it. A little more Italian than French, I suppose. But fiasco this is, and fiasco with long-ranging consequences. The vanity, the sacrificing, the suffering, the loss of life being in vain as a notion won't be known for a little bit of time in truth anyway. Because, as I said yesterday, as I've been saying for about a week now, the notion of Saigon 2.0 isn't the pictures, isn't the similarity of the of the pictures. It's not the similarity of the pictures between Saigon 1975 and Karzai International Airport 2021. It's what comes over the next couple months and years. That's where the comparison, that's where the analogy will be apt or inapt. And probably like you, friends, colleagues, have asked you what's the best thing or most important thing, most incisive thing you have read about this. I've had a lot of people ask me that. And it's kind of uh, an odd place to be in to say not much. I haven't read a lot that really sings to what I think about this until yesterday. Until yesterday. And that was from a piece by our good friend, regular guest, a guest later today in our third hour, Brian T. Kennedy. Brian Kennedy wrote writing at the American Mind, a piece titled Biden Embraces Defeat. I won't go through all of it with you. We'll talk more with Brian about it. But what he writes is the notion that there was a single incompetent decision made to abandon Afghanistan defies both logic and common sense. It was a matter of high government policy that the United States depart Afghanistan, abandon military equipment, and leave both Americans and our allies to the tender mercies of the radical Islamic Taliban. Now, if people – let me pause for a moment and just say that if people are having a hard time wrapping their heads and hearts around the evil that is the radical Islamic Taliban. I want to I have another exercise, intellectual exercise with you in, 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 in the use of language. You have heard me rail against progressives, leftists, Democrats, and journalists for overusing, overusing phrases – like extremist, radical, fascist, tyrannical, tyrant, and using them against fellow Americans. I'm having a hard time right now, and I'll certainly take any advice or input, but I'm having a hard time right now thinking of a single Republican that has ever called a Democrat a member of the Taliban wing of the Democratic Party or worse than the Taliban, or like the Taliban, or deserves to live under the Taliban, as the former CIA director said about Trump supporters. As the former CIA director said about Trump supporters, I would, push, I would move them to Afghanistan and let them live under the Taliban. Former CIA director about Afghanistan. When Barack Obama as president compared 
the shooting in Ferguson to radical Islamic terrorism abroad in front of the United Nations in 2014, comparing what happened with Michael Brown to what happens to civilization under al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS and Hezbollah is an erasure of all moral distinction. And it tends to water down, vitiate, if you will, the special meaning of words like radical, the special meaning of words like tyrant, like fascist. We got in trouble early on, you will recall, for calling our enemy Islamo-fascists. President Bush apologized for his one use of that phrase, Islamo-fascist. Evidently quite terrible to call our enemies Islamo-fascists, but quite okay to call fellow Americans, if they happen to be Republicans, that. So when we say it's possibly hard for Americans to wrap their head around how evil organizations and institutions like the Taliban are, I understand it. I understand how we can become inured to evil. I understand how we can become numb to it. I understand why Hannah Arendt could speak of Eichmann as the banality of evil. Because we have taken these special, important, unique adjectives, and in some cases nouns, tyrant, fascist, dictator, radical, we have taken them away from their actual uses and applied them to Americans who differ on public policy, differ on things like social security. That's when Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama started first calling Republicans extremists post 9-11. The same word they used for the enemies we were fighting in Afghanistan. They were extremists and Paul Ryan and Mitt Romney were extremists. Never mind what they said about Donald Trump or Mike Pence or subsequent. They have, they have robbed the words of their meaning. And so when I try and explain to people what the Taliban stands for if they happen not to remember, or when someone like Brian Kennedy uses the phrase radical Islamic terrorism, not his, excuse me, radical Islamic Taliban, not his fault that people don't get their feathers up about this, not his fault that people shrug because the progressive left has spent a lot of years, a lot of years, devaluing the importance of radicalism and tyranny and uploading the value of merely having a disagreement with fellow Americans such that Mullah Omar and his successors are no better or worse than Donald Trump. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. By the way, there is a phrase. This is the kind of thing my producer Bill loves. There is a phrase for what I described, the overuse of a word to render it meaningless, 
to so weaken it by its over-extrapolation and over-usage that it ends up meaning literally nothing. There's a, there's a, there's a phrase for that. You're going to like this, Bill. This is the kind of thing you like, I think. Maybe you've heard of it. I hadn't heard of it until recently. It's called semantic satiation. Right? Yeah. You write it down. Do you have that before? You ever? Yeah. Good. Right? There have been other phrases. It's attributed to a uh, doctoral dissertation over at McGill University in in Canada. Um, Stimulus satiation, reminiscence, verbal satiation, verbal transformation, work decrement. There's been a lot of phrases for it. Semantic satiation is the word we will is the phrase we will use. I, I didn't get to the heart of what Brian Kennedy was was saying, so let me let me let me do that if I might. Um, it would be easy to attribute to attribute the disaster of leaving Afghanistan, both human and strategic, to the incompetence of President Biden. After all, human incompetence normally explains a lot. But the affairs of a great nation like ours and its military are not the work of one man. There are generals. Well-credentialed foreign policy experts and senior intelligence officials who have devised how best to leave Afghanistan in order to achieve certain strategic and political objectives. The notion that there was a single incompetent decision made to abandon Afghanistan defies both logic and common sense. It was a matter of high government policy that the United States depart Afghanistan, abandon military equipment, and leave both Americans and our allies to the tender mercies of the radical Islamic Taliban. To exit from Afghanistan, then, appears designed to accomplish two things. This is important. First, to demoralize the American military and the American people. Over 22,000 American service personnel have been killed or injured in Afghanistan. Every American knows someone who served there. Knowing full well that the Afghan military would not defend the country, there could be little doubt that the United States was turning the country over to the Taliban. Moreover, the U.S. did so with the appearance of being run out of the country in shame and defeat. One can only assume this was meant to demonstrate to American servicemen that their sacrifice had been in vain. And to the American people that our cause of defending America from the scourge of radical Islam was not just. How else, this is important, how else are sensible people to view the footage of killings, chaos, desperation, harassment, and contempt for the U.S. and our citizens in Kabul? Taken together, these images, this is the most important thing I've read, taken together, these images are far more effective tools of propaganda than nearly anything al-Qaeda and ISIS have employed over the past two decades. Their message is clear. America is weak and resistance to Islam is futile. Is there any other conclusion one can get from the imagery coming out of Afghanistan? America is weak. And resistance to Islam is futile. On on the first point, on the very first point, America is weak. You know what's interesting? You hear the Secretary of Defense, Austin. You hear the President of the United States. You hear the National Security Advisor say the United States is not weak. The United States is not incompetent. 
we are the greatest military force in the world. They do keep saying that. But saying something doesn't necessarily make it so. And more importantly, saying something doesn't make it so when every piece of evidence is to the contrary. What is it this president, Joe Biden, has shown to you? What is it in eight months this president has shown to you that he can accomplish, that he can do, that he can solve, that he can fix? And by he, because he represents the American people and the country United States, by he I mean the country. Are we able to defend our border? Are we able to solidify our border? Joe Biden has revealed to the world that we cannot. Are we able to protect our allies? Joe Biden has shown to the world that we cannot. Are we able to engage in the most minimal and basic concept of force protection by evacuating materiel and military from a war zone that we have been in for 20 years? From an airport named after a man we helped install as president, Hamid Karzai. Query as to how long it'll be known as Hamid Karzai Airport. I bet not long. I bet the name changes on September 1st. Extremists like to change the names of things. Not only do extremists like to change the name of things, leftists like to change the names of things. Tyrants like to change the names of things. Leningrad, Stalingrad, or just read what the memory hole is and the ministry of truth is in George Orwell's 1984. The second purpose Brian Kennedy speaks of was to signal to the world that the United States has no interest in defending a liberal world order and that from here on out we will not defend either human freedom or our own self-interest, however bizarre that may sound. Can one conclude any other thing? If we're not going to defend it in a war that we engaged in on the most just war of principles, after an attack, after warning of reprisal, if certain conditions weren't met, after using all of our abilities of restraint, exercising all our abilities of restraint and Geneva and international law protocols, after all that, after all that, what can one conclude when we just abandon Americans, people who helped Americans, and a war zone that we entered on the most just of just war principles? Even the most serious isolationist would not have left Afghanistan the way we have because isolationism, for those that embrace it, requires that one, if they speak softly, 
at least carries a big stick. We've done the opposite. We scream an awful lot, at least the Democrats do. But the stick is very weak. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If it's 34 past the hour, we check in with our good friend John Dombrowski of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He is the president and founder. He's also the host of the Word on Wealth, heard here on 960 a.m. every 7 a.m. every Saturday. His website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. J.D., how are you, man? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's on your mind today? Well, I just was interested uh, to see, of course, the NASDAQ and the S&P 500 made new highs again today. Aha! Uh-huh. And uh, what something is, is I'm, I'm, when I talk with people, Seth, it's, I think we're all a little bit, uh, you know me, I'm an optimist. Yes. Right? But many people out there are pessimists. Yes. <laughs> I'm one of them. And, no, I'm not. But I know, the, I, I know the temptation I have to fight against. Sure. And, and I think that's yeah. all of us. Yeah. Right? We yeah. all... We all want to, you know, think that uh, things are too good and they can't last, right? right. Things can't, good things can't last forever. Right. And, and I'm not saying that that's not true. Um, but I would caution people to be careful about being emotional when it comes to investing. And good. this is something that we talk about often. You know, if you look at the year-to-date returns on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, up about 14.75%. The NASDAQ up about 15%. The S&P 500 up about 18%. Um, these are year-to-date numbers, which are all, uh, you know, fantastic annual rates of of gains in these indexes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're only halfway through. They're a little more than halfway through the year, and we're seeing some very positive uh, returns. Not only that, even as this Delta variant of COVID is pushing through the the uh, the, the the country as well as the world, um, we're still seeing companies reporting uh, very profitable. Um, numbers. And uh, it's really interesting. We saw Ulta, which is a cosmetic company today, reporting just blowing out their numbers. And uh, this is, again, not something that is a necessity, right? It's not a consumer staple type of a a stock. It's a consumer discretion, you know, people buying makeup. Um, But unbelievable what we're seeing. For for some of us, John, that's not discretionary. Well, that's true. Okay. okay. But so. yeah, I would just say, say this, that um, our... our <laughs> you got I wouldn't even that. know how to buy makeup. Yeah. But okay. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you wouldn't either, probably. I, I would not either. <laughs> no. Okay. no. We do I, radio, not TV. Yeah. Right? Once in a while, I do use chapstick. <laughs> there you, you know? go. But okay. that's about... Yeah. I don't even know if that's considered makeup. I don't know. But... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> and maybe some sunblock. Yeah, we'll, we'll delay that. Go on. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, so we have to be careful about this, being emotional again about, you know, your investing. And, yes, we can assume that the market will have some type of a pullback at some point. There's no question about that. But it's always about uh, being able to withstand those types of pullbacks and ultimately seeing the markets push forward as they have always done in the past. Now, of course, you can never predict what the markets are going to do. But generally speaking, over long periods of time, the markets have performed extremely well and created a lot of wealth for a lot of people. John, I have a friend. No doubt you've run into Just this. one? Well, on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But I do have one, and um, and she's she's an investor in the market, and, right. and she and a friend uh, invest in the market mm-hmm. separately. And her friend says to her, you know what, though? Do do yourself a favor and don't look at don't look at it except more than 
Except a, a, a maximum of once a month. Yeah, you, know, you can not... drive yourself nuts and sure. worry. Is, sure. Do you think? Do you, what? Do you run into that? Of course. No. I've got people that. And is it right? Yeah. Well, I've got clients of mine that look at their accounts every day and yeah. they tell me that. And yeah. I say, and how does that make you feel? It always drives me crazy. Yeah. I say, well, then why do you do it? Yeah. I said, that's my job. Let yeah. me look at it every day. Let me let me work through the details of what needs to be done in order to make adjustments. Uh, without being emotional about it. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not emotional about my own money. Sure. I am, but I don't look. I, I got to tell you, the last time I looked at my accounts, probably Seth was a couple of months ago. Interesting. Because I have in my portfolio uh, things that I think are, are going to be long-term uh, growth, and I know that I'm not going to touch that money. Most people, if you're under the age of 59 and a half, or under the age of 65, if that's the age that you're thinking you're going to retire, you're not going to touch these accounts anyway. Yeah. Is the hope. And give it time. And, I, you know, these types of things, if you're going to be emotional about it, contact me <laughs> or, or an advisor Good. and work with somebody who can help you uh, keep that emotion under control and help you get through some of the difficult times that will happen, but then also help you um, understand and celebrate the positive times that come as well when you have a good, solid investment strategy. And why wouldn't you want emotional counseling and coaching sure. from someone who's optimistic, right? Exactly right. Exactly, exactly right. You're my guy. Thank you, J.D. Thank you, sir. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Fenrir and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC, and not affiliated. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thank you, guys. Thank you, John. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you later. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. For all your air conditioning needs, I want you to check out my friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Also, for all your plumbing needs, you may have a heating need down the road, but right now, for air conditioning and plumbing, I'm telling you, Cool Touch is the company you want to call for repairs, replacements, installations, you name it. These guys are around. 24-7. I called them on a Saturday night. My air conditioning unit was fixed Sunday morning. When they say 24-7, they're there for you 24-7. They have a new unit if it's something of interest to you where rather than the unit going on and off to maintain the temperature you want with all the power surges that entails, it's as if it has a dimmer switch so it eliminates those surges and keeps your rooms at the constant temperature you Want That system, by the way, comes with a $2,000 rebate, if that's what you're interested in, or any other system, or as I say, an inspection, a replacement, or repair. Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing, 623-734-1932, or CoolTouchAC.com. That's CoolTouchAC.com. Keith is in Atlanta. Hi, Keith. How are you doing, sir? I am well, sir. How about you? I'm doing okay. Hey, I want to talk about the CIA director talking about sending, um, with, I thought it was non-people who refused to take the vaccine, but he probably did uh, further group out the people, the Trump supporters, into it, sending them to live under the Taliban. Right. And that statement is not to be taken lightly. No. For two reasons. One, they really do think that. That's one. Number two. Uh, that's important. Don't go to number two yet, Keith. Restate number one. They really do believe it. See, I think the problem with a lot of voters is they don't think that the left really means what they say. They mean it. No, they do. And they're and what's the thing about it? For years, they've concealed their true feelings, and now they they are so bold that they speak it. 
And when the day comes when the left gets total control of this country, people shouldn't be surprised what, what they do. That's right. And, and, and when I say they would really do that, they would. And, and the only reason, the real true reason that prevents them from doing that is what our forefathers gave us was the Second Amendment. Mm. Because people will not lay down their lives and, have their, and let the government take it away from them without saying, I'm putting my foot down and I'm, I'm standing up against this. But they really do believe that. Now, you say no Republican has ever called them worse than the Taliban or whatever. Or I don't whatever. think so. I mean, I can't think of the case. I might be wrong. That, that's, that's true. If I were ever an elected official, I'd have no problems in saying that be, about the left. Because this is a true statement I'm going to make, and I defy any liberal out there to to put me down on this. No entity in this world will bring the United States down. No one's dangerous enough to bring the United States down, but the Democrat Party is. This is a theme that has been constant in our history and my mind since at least 1838, when Abraham Lincoln said that very thing. That very thing, if destruction be our law, we will be its author and finisher in his Lyceum speech. He said then, no nation can defeat us, only we can defeat ourselves. And um, of of course, you're absolutely right. When you have the kind of country, the kind of miraculous and unique, maybe unique more than miraculous for the purposes of the point I'm trying to make – country like America, when you have a country like America that can propel, theoretically, propel it, that can win a war in basically a week when it comes to Iraq, when it comes to Afghanistan. It wasn't a week, but it was a month and a half. We had it. We took it. We took it. When we can do that, And when we know what the capability of our good men and women in uniform is, and when we know what the capability of our special forces is, when we know these things, we know that only we have the power to propel it or shrink it and to propel ourselves or to shrink ourselves and to grow ourselves or to diminish ourselves. We are in a great diminishing right now. No doubt. I got an email from a listener here. Many of you know who Rob is from Surprise. He calls in a lot, Keith. uh, And um, he wrote, the questions pose the idea that Biden cannot protect Americans, cannot secure borders, cannot support and defend American interests. I postulate he will not do any of those things, not because he cannot, but because his regime is willingly making this happen And I don't believe it's simple incompetence. It's what they wanted to happen. Now, for those that want to immediately say, well, come on, the Democrats didn't want this to happen. Let me ask a question. Let me ask a question. What did the Democratic Party stand for outside of condemning Donald Trump and his supporters for the entirety of the last year? Was it not criticizing and running down America? 
was it not talking about all her faults and its endemic and institutional racism? Was it not about supporting those who refused on their own principles to stand for the national anthem? How about those that sided private industry in this country and public? Those that sided with China's objections to speaking out on behalf of Hong Kong dissidents or, or, or Xinjiang's dissidents in the heart of darkness in China. All of those things were done by progressive and Democrats, progressives and Democrats, all those things. That was the theme of the entirety of the last year outside of condemnation of Donald Trump. In other words, outside of the regular politics, the main ideology was anti-American from beginning to end, so much so they even changed the date of our founding. So much so they even changed the date of our founding. So why, when you have a party and a movement, a silo, if you will, a silo of political thought, if you will, when you have a silo of political thought that is dedicated to making America itself a down market commodity – why would it be surprising or extreme to think that the leadership of that party wants America down, too? Wants America power shrunk, too? Wants America prestige diminished as well? Why wouldn't you conclude that? It's not incompetence. Joe Biden may or may not be incompetent. I'll, I'll gather he's incompetent. But I will tell you this, there's a lot of people in Washington, as Brian Kennedy was saying, and not all of them are incompetent. They can be dangerous. They can be wrong. They can be immoral. We have dealt with regimes like that before. But they can be competent, too, can't they? We're not seeing incompetence here. We're seeing a deliberate destruction of the American idea. Someone was telling me they heard a version of Dolly's uh, Always On My Mind, and it just wasn't uh, anywhere as good as a few others. Well, you know, <laughs> take a Dolly song and try, try, try and see someone else do it. <laughs> that, they just, it's not, it's not going to happen. Listener Charles, as bright as anyone, writer Charles, I should call him, wrote here during the break to tell me that uh, Rob and I are correct uh, we tried to tell you, he writes, a letter to the people that supported Joe Biden. Can anybody now see what we warned you about? Can anybody see why the dopey tweets never mattered? The insulting nicknames never mattered. The mannerisms, the character oddities, the figure of speech never mattered. The real estate and let's make a deal background never mattered. Reality TV never mattered. We didn't care about those things because those things were not important. We had our eye on bigger things. But you guys that voted for a change from him worried that incidental stuff was the important stuff. Well, you chose to trade in things like opportunity zones and black empowerment and constitutionalism and Middle East peace through the Abraham Accords and safe streets and energy independence and a secure border for a border in chaos. 
Mass destruction in Afghanistan, energy independence lost, crime accelerated in our cities, COVID messages confused and cloudy, world leaders embarrassed, freedom of speech and the Second Amendment under attack, higher taxes, higher regulations, division amongst the people, and one calamity after another. The things that didn't matter to us are things that mattered so much to you. And now because you wouldn't listen to us, we have all these messes. And they are messes we knew would be coming. Our mistake was not believing it could get this bad. That's really well done, Charles. In fact, I may steal it from you. I may just steal it from you. But I'm letting you know. We'll work out an arrangement later. I, um, I think about what Charles and Rob were saying. And I think about it also in the context of semantic satiation. And you know what word comes to mind when I think about it? Patriotism. Patriotism. Why would you expect the leader of a country who thinks wearing a mask is a symbol of patriotism? Why would you think he would give two darns? Never mind one, but two about the stature of this country and her allies, including the safety of this country and her allies. When wearing a mask is the patriotic thing to do. That's his definition of patriotism. Defending America, nowhere to be found. Defending Americans, nowhere to be found. Defending allies of Americans, nowhere to be found. Putting in a good word here and there for our enemies, that you can have. That you will find. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.